You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back, my friends. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the timeline if Portland started cleaning up its homeless encampments right now. City officials in the cleanup departments are basically saying it's going to take 18 to 24 months. It's going to take up to two years to get things as they sit right now cleaned up. Just the garbage. Just the garbage. Two years to get the garbage cleaned up. And that's if nothing happens moving forward, more garbage, right? They're behind the eight ball. What happened to create this scenario? Well, we stopped sweeping out homeless encampments because the CDC said, don't do that. The Rona will spread. That's what we're talking about today. Before we jump on in, if you're new here, thanks so much for joining. My name is Sean Reynolds. I'm a real estate guy. I own a couple of real estate companies. I talk about news that sometimes makes other people squirm. But you and I, we're going to talk about it because this is one of those things where it's like you hear briefly in news stories and major media, the homelessness issue has, is exponentially getting worse. And then they stop and they don't really look at the underlying issues. This is one of those issues. Well, how long would it take to clean Portland up if you started right now and just went for it? Well, somewhere between 18 to 24 months. That's a long time. So bottom line in Portland's got a massive, massive homelessness issue, just like Seattle does, just like Seattle does. Why are we talking about this on a real estate podcast? Because this impacts where people live. This impacts quality of living. This impacts homelessness. When you got them posted up in the park, little Johnny can't play. Little Johnny can't play ball. We've got stories like that all day long. We talk about it here because these are real issues and reasonable people want to hear about solutions for real issues, which I don't have a ton of. So I just read the news and um, talk about what I think may or may not or should happen. We reimagine, we rethink. That's what we do. All right, let's jump on in. Uh, Cleaning up Portland's homeless camps will take the city about two years, officials say. Portland officials say it may take the city two years to clean up the piles of trash and debris generated by homeless encampments during the coronavirus pandemic. One of the, one of the, things that are is continually hammered on that people always point to is violence in Portland and homelessness. This is one of those stories where it's like, okay, how do we get there? What's happening? What are what kind of things are going on? Two years to clean up Portland. Long time. And you're like, oh, that's not that's not good. Mm. Hey. Hey, now, what happened? The city's homeless and urban camping impact reduction program, always these long names, right? Let me read that again. Homeless and urban camping impact reduction program estimates it will need 18 to 24 months to bring the growing waste problem under control once it resumes regular camp removals. Budget documents show city officials don't have a firm timeline for when that ramp will occur. We don't know when we're going to start doing this. When's the pandemic going to be over? When are we going to call it good? When we can kind of lift all these restrictions? When is that going to happen? I don't know. It's got to be pretty soon, right? Or do we just do all this nonsense throughout the rest of the year? We're falling behind on just getting back to normal and normal living. A lot of people on the other side would say, but the pandemic is still here. We're still hunkered down in our homes. We're not leaving. We're triple masking. We're quadruple masking in our own homes. We're hiding our identity. 
we don't go anywhere. Don't go outside. You might catch the Rona. That's the flip side, right? And, you know, I kind of jest there, but there's a, there's a lot of people that think, oh my gosh, you know, something that I've got a 99.9999999999 whatever percent chance of living, if I get it, oh, I am frightened. I got to stay in my house. I don't really think that way. I don't really live that way. And with the vaccine out there, I kind of think it's go time. Let's go. Let's move this bad boy along. Let's remove some of these restrictions. It's time to get back to normal because that's the path that we're on. We're no longer hunkering in our homes, fearing for our safety from something that if you catch it and you are in reasonable health, you will live through. Lucas Hillier, the program's manager, delivered those same projections to the city council at a public work session last month. Imagine that session. I'm sure it's online. I'm sure you can catch a video feed of it. My um, videographer and kind of sound engineer here, he moonlights, not moonlights, but a lot of video guys, they do a lot of different like side gigs. So one of his side hustles is every Monday, he goes down to the city of Renton and records the city council meeting. I think it's city of Renton. Is that right? Um, and he does another city as well. City of Tukwila, he only does once a month, but goes down. And so you can see these city council meetings, you know, on video. Because uh, so many of these things are video called in, we no longer have any in person, but that is changing rapidly. Another thing that's changing. Can you imagine sitting down at that city council meeting and you got a bunch of city council members sitting around and somebody asks, hey, how long would it take to clean up? And they're like, yeah, about, about two years. So if we start now, call it the beginning of 2021. If we started right now by 2023, we, we, we might be somewhere in the cleaner department than we are right now. But, you know, that rolling two years, that only starts when we start this program and nobody knows when that's going to happen. Don't know when the sweeps are going to be allowed again. Um, but as businesses send their people back in to their big tin can offices, concrete structure offices, you're going to have that conflict between homeless encampments in a lot of these downtown areas. And then, um, you know, the businesses trying to crank back up and get back into their urban environment because they're missing out on all of that collaborative energy that you get. And I kind of joke, but it, you know, that is a large part of business in work environments is having collaboration, having teams, having people be able to meet face to face and actually see what the other guy is thinking instead of doing a Zoom call where everybody is trying to act like they're interested and they're trying to act like they're actually awake when in reality, they're like, oh my gosh, when am I going to be able to get off this conference call, video call? Because I've got laundry, I got to fold, I got to do something. You know what I mean? That's it's just kind of how the, the way that goes. Because when you're working at home, you got a lot of distractions. Businesses want you back in the office where you can focus, collaborate, and get that creative energy going. I'm not that way, but I always I, I look at me. I just work in an office by myself most of the time. And when I need to, I open the door and yell for somebody to come in and help me. That's what I do. Um, collaboratively, of course. The backlog stems from Portland's decision to dramatically scale back the number of homeless sweeps it performed as the virus raged, officials said. The Centers for CDC, uh, for Disease Control, the CDC, um, strongly advised letting homeless campers remain in place to lessen the risk of disease spread. Now, we know that huge numbers have not come out of the homeless encampments, right? We know that. Very few cases have come out of the homeless encampments. Nobody's freaked out. There has, I haven't read any news stories 
about that. And we just don't talk about that. And yet, we are still not doing the sweeps. Homeless encampments have exploded across Seattle and Portland. That is a story that is just about daily. Uh, you guys do a great job of sending me stuff on this. I mean, it's, it is just nutty what is going on. And yet everybody, and a story I read yesterday, I think I read it here on the podcast, it was literally the school district is saying, don't sweep anybody off of school property. And I'm like, if I've got little Johnny or little Susie, those are my acronyms for, for, um, you know, little kids names, because I don't have little kids, my kids are old. And um, if I had kids going to school, and the school officials are saying, yeah, we're not letting any um, we're not doing any sweeps. That's inhumane. And I've got my kid going to a school where you got a bunch of homeless people surrounding it. I'm a no go. I'm like, what in the F are you doing? That, that's, that's where I'd be as a parent. I don't really want my kid around that environment. I don't think that's necessary. That's not part of my child rearing. It wasn't when I raised my kids. My kids are 28 and 25. So I'm well beyond this age. But if I was a parent right now, and I had little kids, if I had a little girl, would I want her to be 100, 200 feet from a homeless encampment with 40, 50 tents? I'm going to go with probably not. And if that makes you uncomfortable, then you and I are not on the same page. And maybe you want to go find another podcast. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. But I don't think even parents who I think are more sympathetic and are more, hey, love your fellow human being, let them shoot up on the sidewalk until they kill themselves. If you're one of those folks, and you see how I couch that, I couch that in my own kind of narrative. If you believe that people should be able to live wherever they are, and people do get down on their luck, and sometimes they got to live in a homeless encampment, my issue is next to the elementary school is a no-go. That's, that's where I come from. And if you don't think that's reasonable, that is your call. But again, I'm going to stick to my guns and say, what are we doing? Um, man, I'm glad I don't have kids through the little kids through this. I've got adult kids that, yeah, you got your own issues like that. Like, should they be getting married? Uh, hmm, yeah, oof, tough one. I got married young. Um, but I also was kind of on a fast track to doing whatever it is that I'm doing now. And uh, I knew that. And um, I dropped out of college as a result, because I kind of figured another year and a half of this nonsense, and they give me a little piece of paper, I'm probably never going to use, which was true. I've never, never had a call for somebody saying, hey, you got a college degree? Because we all know college degrees in order to do anything in real estate are pretty much unnecessary. But I encourage my kids to do it. But then, you know, I got married and did that whole thing. Other people, maybe not same, same pathway. So I've got different issues with my kids than a lot of parents my, in my age demographic. So that's why I kind of focus on little kids because they are so much more vulnerable than the big kids worrying about should you get married? You know what I mean? I mean, and, and most of my listening audience is, is older, my generation or older. And so we're not so concerned about little Johnny or little Susie anymore, because that's not really a thing in our life. And for all of you who are out there, who do have little kids, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, we're talking about don't really want this influence. I've talked multiple times about um, during a baseball game, I think it was, 
the kids had to watch as a naked homeless man was taken from his tent who was unconscious in a gurney to the ambulance because he probably OD'd. Do they get him back? I probably a little Narcan, a little Pulp Fiction action. Whoosh, wake up. Um, yeah. I mean, those are not things that, you know, elementary children need to be seeing. They're going to see enough hardcore stuff before they're 10. They, they don't need to have that at their school environment. What'd you learn at school today? I learned that when you OD, the people will come and get you. They'll put a sheet over you. They'll take you in a gurney to the ambulance, and then they'll take you to the hospital and try and revive you. I don't think our elementary school kids need to learn that at, you know, second grade or whatever. But that's just me. That's my opinion. The city's decision to follow that guidance of not sweeping out the homeless encampments allowed encampments to proliferate in size and number while city-funded sanitation crews uh, tasked to remove refuse from them largely stood down. We don't want to go in there. Police haven't gone on there. I mean, that's, and that's why you've got some of the situations going. You've got, you know, you got crime rings going on in some of these places, right? Um, there are more unsanctioned and hazardous campsites in Portland now than ever, said Heather Hafer, a spokeswoman for the homeless camping program. This is somebody from the homeless camping program coming right out and saying there's more and they are dangerous. The city, however, is not planning to spend significantly more in next year's budget than the current one to clean them up. All right. So um, you're just going to keep going, moving along. Are you going to clean any more garbage out of there? Eh, no, not really. It's going to keep doing our thing. I think they're going to need to do a major, major cleanup, like a big, huge sweep up, right? But without permanent solutions, what to do with all the homelessness, all the homeless people, where are you going to put them? What are you going to do with them? That's the ongoing debate, right? Documents show the Office of Management and Finance, which oversees the cleanups, requested $6.49 million next fiscal year for the homeless camping program, a 2.3% increase from its current budget. Prior to the pandemic, the city removed about 50 homeless encampments a week, Hafer said. 50 homeless encampments a week. Is that just little two and three, you know, tent encampments? Because some of the encampments I see, 40, 50, 70 tents, that's a full day sweep. Um, Must be talking about just little, you know, little two, three, four, five, ten encampments. I don't know. Um, Those sweeps stopped entirely for several months last year and have since resumed on a limited basis. And the limited basis is if enough 911 calls come out of those areas, guess what? They get a swept. Campsites that previously took crews several days to tidy up or remove can now require several weeks of work as the sites attracted more people and accumulated more waste, officials said. Um, So we've got the example of Echo Park down in LA. Talked about that a ton. The city of Los Angeles is the city of Los Angeles. Uh, I'm not sure what city that it falls in, but it's in the LA. Yeah, it's, it's LA. Uh, it's going to spend half a million dollars cleaning up a park because they had to clear out like 200 tents. I mean, it's, it's a community. It's a total community 
living there in a park. And so normal people don't feel like they can use the park. Same thing in Denny Park in downtown Seattle. We did a sweep a couple of weeks ago. I've got video footage on that. I should really put that video together. And if you care, do you guys care? Let me know in the let me know in the comments. Um, but that's been cleaned up too. That had like, I did a video on, um, I just walked around Denny Park in the most horrific rainstorm Seattle has seen for a long time. One of those rainstorms where the water was coming down the hills on Seattle. You know, Seattle's basically built on a hill and it was coming down through the storm drain so hard it was like bursting up through the little holes in the storm drain covers. Like just these geysers of water I'm driving around afterwards and I'm like, geez, that is the biggest rainstorm I've seen in a while. But I did a walk through Denny Park, got absolutely drenched. Yes, found some hypodermic needles. Yep, saw all that did a video out of that. Now it's been cleaned up. City went through graded everything they you know, take grading machines and road grader, whatever it is, big cat, whatever it is, um, clean it up and they put down, you know, new topsoil, new bark, and it looks like a pretty city park that used to have, you know, homeless encampment in there. I think they cleared out, I think they, I think it had at tops, maybe 60, 70 tents towards the end of the three day vacate period. It was down to like, I think like 20 tents. Most people leave when that happens. They're like, all right, we had a good run. We got to move on. And then they find a new place to move into. Um, but I saw a, um, I saw a video from Jason Rance. He's a local guy. Uh, some great media comes out of Jason Rance. You'll see him on Fox News every now and then. And he did a video where I, I think it's him. I'm pretty sure it's him because he kind of he goes in and just takes his cell phone and records some footage. And he got some footage of Miller Park, which is uh, just to the northeast of Chop Park, which is Cal Anderson Park. Maybe it's just to, directly to the east. And um, Man, school right there, homeless tents. I mean, he, he had a shot where he, you know, showed the front of the school front door and then pans off to the left. You can see tents down there. That's how close these tent encampments are to um, elementary schools, of all things. And you're like, oh, geez, could we put, you know, it's like putting a strip club next to an elementary school, not the kind of influence or, a you know, a real seedy bar not that there's anything wrong with the real CD bar. Not that most people would find, I think most people would find the strip club offensive, but if you put that next to a uh, elementary school, oh, geez, people would be up in arms. But something else that can have just as much negative impact, a homeless encampment, mm. because we love our fellow human being, we're willing to tolerate it and say, okay, yep, it's okay. I would be a no-go if I were those parents. And again, that's just that's just me. A massive encampment along North Victory Boulevard near Delta Park, which the Oregonian slash Oregon Live detailed in a recent investigation on Portland sanitation struggles, will alone take about two months to clean entirely. City of Seattle spent months and months and months cleaning up Cal Anderson Park, and they kept it closed because it's just always got a bunch of nut jobs running around, let's be honest. And the East Precinct is right there. And somebody's always hammering on the East Precinct to the Seattle Police Department. It's just like, grow up, people. Just let the police do their thing. You know, when we had a uh, winter storm here in Seattle, they piled a bunch of snow up to block one of the exits for the police to come out and do their 911 calls. That kind of nonsense. 
again, I'm a no go. I'm reasonable. It's like, all right, when I call 911, I want, you know, officer whatever to be able to at least get his car out of the lot. Do they have another exit area? Yeah, they do, but that's not the point. Don't pile up a bunch of snow at the East Precinct. Silliness. It's silliness what we have to deal with in today's uh, world. Um, so it's going to take about two months to clean up the park in Portland that, that uh, they're talking about. We know that what we're doing right now isn't working, she said. We need to ramp up our cleanups and our campsite removals. Seattle needs to do that as well. Um, and I think we're, you know, I just did a podcast, finished one up. The 72-hour rule here in Seattle, um, which was you have to move your vehicle if you're living on the streets in your vehicle, you got to move your vehicle every 72 hours. That had, there's been a moratorium on that action, um, you know, finding people or towing their cars if they've been in one spot more than 72 hours. There's been a moratorium on that for about a year now. That is being lifted by the city. The mayor has basically said, yeah, we got to do this because you need space on the street for, you know, businesses in the area to have their patrons park their cars. Not everybody has a massive parking lot. And um, a lot of these areas have, um, they're just lined with uh, people living in their vehicles, because they've been comfortable this past year to kind of hunker down and do their thing. And so you've got a proliferation of vehicles, one out of 20 in a recent poll, um, that run. So most of them are broken down. And so you've got this shift happening right now. Portland is talking about, all right, if we start right now, how long will it take to clean up? Uh, 18 to 24 months, you know, a year and a half to maybe two years. And the city of Seattle is saying, all right, we need to get that 72 hour rule going again here, because we're trying to get the economy going. We realize that um, our budget has some massive holes in it. We hope we get some federal funding. But if we don't, we're going to have to kind of figure out how to generate our own, own income. We need that business tax revenue coming back again. Got to help some of these businesses where it's go time. It's go time. So a lot of the stories I'm reading right now are they're the go time. Um, we had the whole thing where we talked about people are going to work from home forever and ever and ever, you know, millenniums down the road. Nobody's going back to the office. That was the big narrative at the beginning because that's that's what uh, people wanted to hear. We wanted to hear that we're doing the safe thing because you don't want to catch a virus that you've got a 99.9999999 whatever percent of living if you're in decent health. You don't want to catch that. That's a whew, frightening. Um, and, and I know people have died from it, but that is the exception to the rule. And the average person that's died, they're like, what, 78 years old? The average person that dies in the United States just anyway, like 77 years old, you know, stats like that. And you're like, hmm, interesting. Okay. But at the time when the Rona went down, shut our businesses down, uh, don't have people moving around. That's what we're doing. Now we're on the tail end of that. And we're going, all right, we need that revenue. We need to get people back to normal. These are some of the things we're doing. Cleaning up the homeless encampments. That is a big one. City of Seattle's already started that. But man, there are some areas, and I'm going to cover a, f a few of them. There are some areas where you're like, oof, that's going to take some cleanup. I did do, I've got a video on this channel of uh, the cleanup of Cal Anderson Park, the big one they did back in December. It was so bad. 
you could not believe the amount of crap that was brought to this park to kind of do like a Custer's last stand for the homeless people living in a city park. They left all kinds of debris, all kinds of crates, all kinds of stuff that were set up as barricades. Well, when you got a couple hundred cops coming through and doing a sweep and saying you need to get out, otherwise you'll be arrested, guess how that goes? Well, the, you know, the, the peaceful protesters, um, they tend to give up and, all right, uncle. And then they go out in the street and, you know, yell and scream at the police and talk about the inequities of life. Um, that's just what goes on. It's a very confrontational environment. I've got a video on that. Um, by the time I got there, the sweep had happened. It always happens pretty early in the morning. That's when they start. Um, because, you know, people are either asleep or hungover or they're not moving real fast. And the police come in and um, they do their thing in early morning, way better than later at night, because things are more quiet very early in the morning, five o'clock. Actually, when I when I was at CHOP, one of the complaints was, you guys do this, the sweep too early. We, we, we don't have our cell phones charged. We're all in our tents. We're asleep. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, you didn't give us fair warning. Well, the posted three-day vacate on you know, every telephone pole in the area, that should be your first clue. And there's always some goofball. I didn't know they were sweeping today. I, I didn't know this was happening. It's like, you got to be just living in utter oblivion, which some of these people are to not understand that a sweep is happening. And when it does, it just all this conflict, all this outrage. And, um, and then the city gets to work. And what I saw from the Cal Anderson Park, that's the park for chop slash jazz, the dump trucks leaving there. It was just amazing. It was like a waste site. Um, and I've got a video here on this channel of that. So if you think Sean, you are just exaggerating the heck out of this. I'm not. It was pretty crazy. That was, um, it's like, wow, that's a lot of garbage. Because they would literally just scoop up these enormous, just crap, put it in the, you know, the dump truck and it was like a construction site, like a demolition of a building kind of thing. But it was a city park that we were cleaning up. So some of this is going to take a long, long time. The sooner we can get to it, the sooner we can kind of get this a going, the better off we'll all be, be able to use those parks. And people shouldn't be living in the parks. That's bottom line. You need to have people in a more permanent solution somewhere, not living in the parks because then taxpaying citizens, they can't use the parks. What are parks there for? They're for people to enjoy. Go to the park. Hey, let's go to the park or not if you live in Seattle or Portland. All right. That's it for me on this one. Um, thanks so much for being here. Love to have you share my content. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button for this video. Hit the notification bell. I have now covered all of that nonsense YouTubers are supposed to say. There, I did it. Thanks again for being here. We'll catch up with you guys soon. Until then, stay safe. I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.